The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raising teens alone can be brutal. It becomes easier when you are co-parenting with the universe. Welcome to Co-Parenting with the Universe. This is Muriel Felus, your host. And today we're going to talk about Stoledos, taking the metro in Stoledos in Paris, and more, of course, about our mothering. Before we do that, um, I want to be fully transparent and admit something. I'm always struggling with timing and deadlines. I'm always, I'm a last minute person. And uh, even when I have the best of intentions, it's very hard for me to have a plan to you know, I know they say in business we need to have a calendar and put deadlines for projects and things that we need to achieve on time. I have done that. I put everything on my calendar and somehow I'm sure there is a part that is coming from my unconscious mind. Things come in the way and I find myself struggling always running after the last minute thing that I need to accomplish. And it's frankly exhausting. It's like trying to stay above the water and constantly fighting to not go down at the bottom. So I'm currently working on finding a way to let go of that pattern. But I see that it affects every area of my life. I, to be frankly transparent even more, on a mothering level, there were times where I started something for the kids, for example, from when my daughter, my middle daughter had to go through the SAT, I was ahead of the game, and somehow, I don't know how, I found myself at the last minute and she missed the first um, date to take the SAT in her school. So we had to do it in another school and as a last minute thing again. So that's something that has been going on for quite some time for me. And I'm still, I'm still not there. For example, I recorded all those five minute tapping chakra challenge 
And I start, I created the, the web page with the person who's helping me. And it's only a student, so they can only allocate a certain part of their time. And I also can only allocate a certain part of my time because I still have a job and a business. And it didn't go off. It wasn't launched when I was planning to launching it. And then I beat myself up. I have shame. I... I'm telling myself that that's why my business is not going to the next level, etc., etc. Frankly, at this point, I, I'm starting to realize that I have blindfolds. I had blindfolds. And it's a way to keep myself at the level at which I am because I guess there is fear. Because I see that even locally, when I go to go higher, and that's something that you can reflect on for your life too, where do you always reproduce the same patterns and get the same results and beat yourself up and are in that, like one of my mentors, um, Dana Wilde, is calling it the cycle of perpetual sameness. I'm frankly getting tired of it, so I'm working on that and I'll find a way to let go of that pattern, but it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good. I carry some shame about it. So a lot of tapping in on the horizon. And I know I'm still in the last, um, how do you say, the last run of the certification where I build a database of case studies. And by the way, if you want a tapping session and you want to be one of my anonymous case studies, that means I won't give your name, but I will give some details about the session. They're half off. They're currently $75 a session. Uh, it's about a 75-minute session and we accomplish a lot. We go deep. I've seen really, really big shifts with my clients and shifts not only on patterns and beliefs and, and struggles and challenges that are going on nowadays in your life, but shifts on things that were in your memory and you were not conscious of because that's the way the mind is working. It encapsulates things that we couldn't deal with when we were younger because we didn't have, we were not equipped for. But as it relates to something that's going on nowadays in our life and when we calm our brain and calm our nervous system to approach what's going on nowadays with more neutrality and feeling safer, those memories start to pop up. And that seems unrelated sometimes, that seems magical, but I've seen, <laughs> bring your clinics because I've seen big, big shifts with my clients and I've seen stuff from childhood that were very, very emotional and that sculpted and molded the rest of their life popping up to be healed. So I just wanted to let you know about that. And if you want that, just shoot me an email at muriel at co-parentingwiththeuniverse.com. 
um, I'll be in contact with you. I'll send you the link and uh, the payment link and the scheduling link, and we'll make that happen. And um, we can do only two or three sessions per person because my mentor who's reviewing my cases um, stipulated that. That's uh, a rule of the certification. And we're going to tap on many, many things, various, whatever you have that you're blocked with, but also phobias, cravings, um, anxiety. I don't remember the full list, but a lot of stuff. So I just wanted to mention that before I forget. And as of course, when you get certified, you also have to work on yourself. So I'm also working with a coach. And that's where I said, I'm going to approach that pattern of the last minute self-sabotaging myself, beating myself up, carrying some shame and going all over again to the starting position to create another, another cycle of perpetual sameness in several areas of my life. But that's just something that I wanted to share today just in case someone is struggling with the same thing. You don't have to carry that shame. Nothing is wrong with you. It's just something unconscious that was conditioned into you sometime in your childhood. And in my case, it's some kind of fear of going higher. I'm conscious of that. I will get to the bottom of that by getting connected to a, a childhood memory, probably in one of my tapping sessions. Anyway... Today, I wanted to talk about something that something happened. But first, I'm going to talk about the stolettos in the metro because it's highly related to the way that I was conditioned growing up in France. So when I was 18 years old and I was going to Paris and taking the metro and I was wearing a skirt, let's say, you would never see me wearing tennis shoes. I first encountered a woman who was wearing tennis shoes with a skirt, a dressy skirt, when I went to New York. And I was in shock. Because for me, growing up in France, where the notion of style, the notion of fashion, the notion of your image was very, very, very present, that was a big no-no. That was horrible. I was horrified. I was really horrified. Now when I think about it, I laugh about it, but as an 18-year-old, I was horrified. I was like, oh my God, what a lack of taste. And then I went to college in Israel and I saw my professors doing the same thing because it was much easier to work with if you were if you did have to work to go to to your job every day if you had comfortable shoes rather than stilettos but me in france growing up as a young woman you wouldn't have caught me dead wearing comfortable tennis shoes with a skirt. I used to wear stilettos that were hurting my feet. I remember going and taking the metro where you had very long corridors if you had a connection to make. 
and walking in those very uncomfortable shoes sometimes to a point where I had a blister but I would I would put band-aids but I would not wear something that didn't match my outfit and even there is I don't know if there is a saying like that in the US or anywhere else in the world but in France we have a saying that says il faut souffrir pour être belle you have to suffer to be beautiful and that's literally anchored So nowadays, I'm sure it has changed a little bit, but not so much because I still have family in France. In fact, I'm traveling to France next week. So I'll keep you updated about uh, that notion of fashion, even though I'm not going to take the metro so much because everyone has cars. But And I'm only staying for six days with my son. We're going for a family event. I'll look at it. And I'll be curious because I think it has changed, but not so much. Uh, growing up and being young, I had student jobs and I was working in a, in a clothing store for women. I loved it because I could help women wear something that was going well with their body shape and making them beautiful and feel great about themselves. Now that I think about it, I was already doing coaching, but through clothes. I always wanted them to feel great about themselves. I always wanted to give compliments. And I always made an effort to, let's say, if they were wearing something that was not that flattering to them, but they really wanted to wear that thing because it was the latest trend, I found a way to redirect them to something that would make them look beautiful because it was matching them more. I'm taking a sip of coffee because I'm still suffering from allergies. I haven't found to what, but that too will come. That too will pass. So I switched from that store, who was more for, let's say, older women, not 20-year-old, but like 30 and more, very, very stylish. I remember the name of the store was Miss Grenetta which sounds Italian, actually, but I loved working there. I switched to work into a shop, a clothing store that was a brand name that was very fashionable at the time, very expensive and very trendy. So the kids, because I was a kid, I was like in my 19, 18, 18s, they were very trendy in the way that they were getting dressed. And I have never been following the latest trend to a T. I've always been like a little bit countercurrent, a little bit eccentric. And when I know myself today, I'm not surprised. For example, when I was in high school, I used to wear my sweaters backwards with the V in the back because I loved it. And it came from a style that they had in the 60s, the 50s and the 60s, the James Dean, you know, Uh, era and no one was doing that and that was a little bit eccentric now that I think about it so although nowadays we have people that are, are way more eccentric than that expressing themselves teenagers with tattoos and piercing and way more daring stuff than I used to that was my way of being eccentric so when I was working in that store I was frowned upon I was criticized 
because I could not match the latest trends. And when you sell clothes, you have to be hip, you have to be trendy, etc. So I always found myself disaligned in that way, and that was bothering me. So I didn't stay long in that store. But it's just to explain to you that very strong notion of you have to follow the trend, especially in the milieu in which I evolved and grew, grew up. So I realized about all that. I thought about that, about that two days ago in my meditation because something happened that day that cost me a backache. And I was going to the doctor. And as I was walking, because I can go by feet, it's a walking distance from my house, I was carrying a, a bottle of water, my purse, and I was listening to something on my phone. And I got to the door of the... Um, oh, I have the word in, he in Hebrew now. Of of the doctor's office. There is a word, but that's not, I can't find it right now. And there was a woman with a stroller who was struggling. She was on the phone and she was struggling to climb five stairs with her stroller. So I saw her and in a fraction of a second, I thought, I'm not going to help her It was so fast in my mind because there is a ramp there. She just didn't take the ramp because she's busy talking on the phone. And then right after that, there is another thought that came right like it's, I'm telling you, it was a matter of seconds that said, oh, but what a good person would do. How am I going to appear to her if I don't help her? She's a woman with a stroller. You help women with strollers. So I carried the, the bottom of the, her stroller with my left hand. And this is not my dominant hand, but I had everything else in my other hand, my bottle of water, my purse. And I made an effort so strong that right away I felt a pain. And I was in pain for the rest of the day. That made me reflect. Even though I didn't really feel like helping her, because she could have chosen to take the ramp and she was too busy talking on the phone and that was her choice. That was not a smart choice. I helped her anyway because of... I was afraid of how would I appear to the world if I didn't. That was major, major insight that brought me back in my meditation to my stilettos in the metro. How would I appear to the world if I was wearing tennis shoes with a skirt? And then it made me reflect on my parenting, where there, was, there are stuff that I don't... You know you can't battle it all. You, you have to pick your battles with your teenagers. You have to pick what you have time for. You have to pick what you really care about and what you think is important. And what is important to me or what seems important to me is not necessarily what seems important to you. 
For example, there, w- there were subjects at school where I didn't care if they had a bad grade. As long as they were passing, I didn't care. I knew that it was not what they were going to take as a direction for their career, their life, and I didn't care. However, when you are in a circle of parents, there were times when I wasn't as assertive and solid in my beliefs to, to say something like that. I would have been afraid to look like a bad mother. Another thing is here. In Israel, people cook way more. And I've been cooking. I mean, I'm French, so in my house, we cooked a lot. But at a certain stage, some of my kids, I had one daughter who probably is cooking better than me. So at a certain stage, she took over and was cooking at least once or twice a week in the evening when I didn't have time. And now I'm alone with my son, and some days I don't have time to cook because, like I said, I have the job, the business, the the certification, everything, and I, I need to make sure to exercise at least every other day or I'm in pain. So many things, plus my social life has, like, flourished since I'm here. And when I told one of my friends that I wasn't cooking every day for my son, she reflected to me the judgment that I had for myself. She said, no, are you kidding me? At this age, he's 19, you have to cook every day. And I felt ashamed. So I still have a judgment about that. And as I've talked about that, we've done coaching sessions on guilt in my membership, and I've said it in the podcast, when you're dealing with guilt, there is the necessary guilt, there is the guilt that is like a teacher, and there is the guilt that is like a poison. Which one is it? So I really uh, sat down, I journaled, I tapped about it, and I got to the conclusion that, yes, I need to up my game and make sure to cook enough, even if he has to eat the same thing the next day, because he doesn't eat enough as it is. And if I don't cook, he was going to eat only junk and he's not going to eat well. So that's, that's a case where the guilt is my teacher. There is something that needs to change. Time or no time, I cannot prioritize my business. I cannot prioritize other stuff over my son's I think, well-being, because if he doesn't eat enough, he's not going to be healthy. And after I sat down, after I got to that conclusion, when I tapped and I got neutral on it and I lowered the judgment, I removed the judgment, I was really purely factual and a factual analysis, I felt better because the judgment is gone. It's just a question of being practical now. So my question for you today is that where, actually I have two questions, where in your life do you do stuff because you're uncomfortable with the judgment of the world around you, even though this is not your personal conviction, like me and the stroller? It wasn't my truth. I knew she had to take the ramp and that wasn't my 
my responsibility to help her when she didn't even want to help herself. And that may sound harsh, but that's really what was. And I knew it in a fraction of a second. It's, you know, when you start working on yourself and when you start to have so much awareness, it comes in the moment. In that moment, it came maybe two seconds too late because I was already carrying the stroller. But next time, because I'm going to train on being even more aware and, and on removing the judgment, I'm going to tap on letting go of the need from the uh, letting go of the need from the world's approval for the world approval and that's where that's what i want to invite you to do today inquire where are you craving needing asking for the world's approval over your truth over your well-being because for me it cost me a backache and I was really much in pain where do you do that and how can you change it and once you have discovered that practice tapping on it go to my site go to liveeft Dot com, emotional freedom technique live eft.com there I demonstrate the tapping points and just think about that approval that you need that uncomfortable feeling in your body feel that con- uncomfortable feeling give it a color give it a shape and tap and if you need more join our circle our membership so I'm going to launch my five minute tapping a day chakra challenge on Monday and on the 24th of September eight o'clock Pacific time 11 o'clock Eastern time we're going to have our group session where we're going to start tapping on feeling safe because that's first chakra and all the stories that make you feel unsafe in the way you mother, in the way you appear to the world, etc., etc. So that that relates to what we've been talking about today. So that's it for today. I'll see you next week. I'll be in France, so I'm gonna. I already have recorded the episode, and that's my past life regression that I did. I uncovered a lot of stuff in in that session, and it changed my life today because I understood why I wanted to go back to America when I in this life, why it was calling me so strongly. And it brought more joy in my life. It reminded me of that specific life that I had in the US in the past and how it was beautifully joyful, community-oriented, And that's how I relate to you at the same time, my community online, because there are a lot of Americans, a lot of English speakers. I just love you. And even though I'm not in the US anymore, I love being in contact with you like that. There are things that I love in America and in the... It's like anywhere else there is good and bad, but there are so many beautiful things that I can relate to. So thank you for listening. I'm sending you 
a ton of love. Have a wonderful week. Bye. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes and share it with other moms out there. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.